You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Charlie. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and back with me once again today to make our Picks of the Week Championship Week Edition is my coach, Charlie, who, of course, also just so happens to be the star of the podcast. Now, Charlie, we all know the entire season has been building to this week. This is it. Championship Saturday. Georgia versus Alabama. Do you feel the energy? Is it coursing through your veins? Sure. Are you kidding me? That's all we get? I mean, I think we're going to win. We'll get into it more later, but I think we're going to win. You know, I'm not too worried about it. That doesn't excite you? I'm not asking you to be worried about it. I'm asking you to be excited about it. Charlie, this is the game we've been building to. Yeah. This is the season we've been dreaming of. Yeah. And that's it? Uh, I mean, I'll get more excited Friday, Saturday. Will you, though? Yes, Honestly, will. will you? Yep. Okay. All right. You heard it here, guys. Uh, Charlie, your star of the podcast is clearly pumped for this game. But we're going to get into all these picks here in just a few minutes. Obviously, we're going to go into a lot more detail, give you a lot more thoughts on this SEC Championship matchup. But first, I do want to make sure you guys know, next time you make a trip to Athens, when you're planning your trip, it's a no-brainer. Make sure to book your stay at the Normal Town Cottage here in Athens. It's right in the heart of Athens, a short walk away from some great bars, great restaurants. Downtown Athens is just down the road. You're going to be in a safe, secure, comfortable neighborhood, an awesome host to take care of all your needs. It really, truly kind of is like a home away from home. So if that sounds enticing to you, I'm telling you, go ahead and book your stay at the Normal Town Cottage today. You can do that by going to Airbnb, or it might be easier to just go directly to their Instagram page and uh, book your stay there. But I'm telling you guys, it's a no-brainer. You will thank me later. And of course, it's now December. We are firmly in the holiday season. So if you are still in the market to buy any Georgia gear for the Georgia fans in your life, Alumni Hall has you 100% covered. Make sure to check them out inside the Epps Bridge Shopping Center in person here in Athens. Or if it's easier for you, I get it. It's convenient now. You can also shop online at alumnihall.com. Okay, before we get into the picks for this week, for Championship Week, let's go back real quick, Charlie, and let's review our picks from Hate Week last week. 
it was a it was an extravaganza. It was a hate week extravaganza. We went admittedly a little crazy instead of our normal eight game slate of SEC and of course some select national games. We leaned straight into the hate and picked fifteen of the best rivalries from around the country. And Charlie, have you seen the scores from last week? No. You haven't seen how it played out. You didn't keep track of it. No, I never do. Uh, of, of course, you never do. That's why I'm here. You're the star of the podcast. I do all the dirty work. Well, Charlie, it was um, it was okay for you. It, it wasn't the worst week you've ever had. We did have one push uh, with the Florida State Florida game. So all in all, it came out to 14 games. Charlie, you went six and eight, not terrible, and I humbly went ten and four. So that created a little separation. We've been tied for what like three or four weeks in a row now. And our I overall mean, numbers, I, at least two or three weeks. Now you are sitting at 60 and 50 overall, and I am at 64 and 46. The locks and upset specials were a little bit of a mixed bag last week. You know, with it being the last week of the regular season, I will admit I went a little overboard with the locks and the upset specials. I hit a few, missed a few, you know how it goes. And Charlie, we both fell into the, the Nebraska trap, and uh, again, Nebraska absolutely screwed us over in very Nebraska fashion. It looked good for most of the game before spiraling out of control in just very epic Nebraska fashion late in that game, so we missed that one. I missed on Florida State. I had them as an upset special. That uh, it, it, I know the final score is like they lost by three, but it really wasn't that close, so I, I just missed on that one. But Charlie, we both did hit on Kentucky over Louisville outright, big time. Kentucky walloped Louisville, and we got that one. So we were one and two with our upset specials. That brings you eleven and five on the year with your upset specials, and I am thirteen and five. Now it was also, at least for me, a little bit of a rough week on the locks front. Uh, you actually only locked up one game, Charlie, out of the fifteen games that we were picking. You locked up FSU to cover the three. That was a push, so you kind of stuck there. You're 9-6 and six now with your locks. I was the idiot who not only picked Nebraska as an upset special, but also locked them up at plus 1.5. Got that one wrong. I also locked up Wisconsin minus 7 over Minnesota. I thought they had too much to play for, and I really just didn't think Minnesota was going to be able to score much at all in a really good Wisconsin defense. But, yeah, I was wrong on all fronts there when it came to that game. I did save myself a little bit with the Oklahoma State over Oklahoma lock. But went one and two on the weeks. So that brings me to twelve and seven on the season with my locks. Still, I can't explain it. I'm mysteriously somehow better with my upset specials this season than I am with my locks. It doesn't make any sense. But that's where we are here, going to championship Saturday. But all right, Charlie, that was last week. Let's look ahead to this week. We don't have as many games this week. We're gonna pick the Power Five games. Plus, we'll go with the one Group of Five game. We'll go with the American Conference game since, since Cincinnati is currently inside the top four. So, Charlie, where are we starting? Championship week kicks off on Friday in Las Vegas with a rematch between Oregon and Utah in the Pac-12 title game. These two teams played just two weeks ago, or a little over two weeks ago, and Utah came away with a decisive 38-7 victory in Salt Lake City. The Ducks rebounded with a win over Oregon State in the Civil War last weekend. That was last weekend seems like a long It long, seems like forever ago, but ago. it was like a couple of days ago. Yeah. And the Ducks are going to be looking to get revenge with a win over the Utes in the rematch. And despite the lopsided victory a few weeks ago, the Utes are only favored by favored by 3 in this rematch because it's a rematch. Duh. The rematches are tough. Rematches that, are tough. Yeah. As a principal play, when two teams are relatively close in talent, I always feel like the team that lost has the advantage going into this game. I'm picking Oregon to cover. 
I, Actually, I think they'll, I mean, win. You think Oregon's going to win outright? Yeah. Upset special off the bat? Yeah. Charlie, I agree with you. I did an upset special. Look I, at that. Uh, you, I remembered and I well, didn't I think remember. You just, I don't think you remembered. I think you just realized on the fly, oh yeah, I think actually I think Oregon's going to win. No, so, I did. I just didn't think about, oh, I have oh, to make an okay. upset special. Okay, well, that, that is, well, look at you. You're, you're kind of getting the hang of it finally here after 14 weeks. Mm. Didn't End take you long season. at all. Didn't take you long at all. I agree with you here, Charlie. I love Oregon in this game. I 1,000% agree with what you said with your principal play. When two teams that are, are relatively close enough in their talent level and how they've played all year, I do typically like the team that lost the first time because really what it comes down to is obviously what they did the first time around did not work. They have to make adjustments. They know that going in this next game, whereas the team that won doesn't feel the need to make as many adjustments because what they did the first time worked. Therefore, typically speaking, they're just easier to prepare for in that game. They don't exactly know. I mean, they know to a degree what Oregon's going to do, but Oregon's going to make some adjustments. I think that Moorhead is a really, really good offensive coordinator. I think he's going to have a few things up his sleeve to throw at this Utah defense that maybe they didn't see the first time around. You also got to factor in that first match of a couple weeks ago. Oregon was without Johnny Johnson III and Jalen Red, two of their best receivers. And I, it's still up in the air as to whether they're going to play in this game. But even if they don't play, they've had a couple of weeks to work some more guys in the lineup here, get a little bit more acquainted with, with those guys and, and figure out what they can do offensively, make those adjustments. Whereas in that match a couple of weeks ago, they were fresh without Johnson and Red. And uh, you could tell they were a little out of sorts there. But most importantly, this game is not being played at Rice Eccles Stadium in Salt Lake City. That is a very underrated, tough place to play. There's not many tough places to play in the Pac-12, but Rice Cycle Stadium, Utah's home stadium, when it's a big game, that place can get rocking at the mighty Utah student section, the must. They can make it a really tough place to play. And it was tough on Oregon last uh, last time, a couple weeks ago. But it's not going to be in Utah this time. It's in sunny Las Vegas. Now, both teams, when you look at this from like an X and O standpoint, both teams have a tendency to be a little one-dimensional at times, but I think Oregon is more equipped to, to, to do damage through the air, especially if they get Johnny Johnson and Jalen Red back. At the end of the day, this is the deciding factor for me. Not only is it the fact that it's a rematch, but the way that first game went, Utah just out them. They outmanned Oregon. And when that happens, I mean, it, you have to think Oregon is going to respond. Oregon's manhood was challenged in that first matchup. They were embarrassed. That's a proud defense. They've got some really good players, and they were manhandled up front. I think they have too much pride to let that happen again. I think the Ducks are going to force Cam Rising at quarterback for Utah to beat them, and without the home crowd behind him, I don't think that he can. They don't have the weapons outside that Oregon does. Utah also had a really devastating punt return for a touchdown right before the half. They kind of blew that game wide open. I don't foresee that happening again. They're not going to kick to, to Covey like that the way they did in that first matchup. I like Oregon a lot, not just to cover the three, but to win outright. Charlie, I agree. Let's go upset special right off the bat. In fact, Charlie, in fact, lock it up. I forgot we have to do that, too. I like my two-for-one specials. He's lock it up, upset special, all-in-one. All right. Got it doesn't, doesn't always work out, but this time, I got a feeling it's going to work out. All right. Well, moving into Saturday, the Big 12 title game is up first at noon. Oklahoma State punched its ticket to Dallas last week with a win over Oklahoma, and that win also propelled Baylor into the Big 12 game. 
Um, and this is only the second year of their head coach. What's his name? Dave Aranda. Dave Aranda. Second Thank year of his you. tenure, yeah. Um, this is another rematch game as the Cowboys beat Baylor 24-14 in Stillwater back in week five. So that was a while ago. That was back when I remember I was watching that from the Chili's in the west end of Nashville after our game. Walked over there. I love Chili's. I don't get to go off and my wife does not allow me to do that. She says that's a childhood thing. So when I get a chance, I do it. Got some uh, got some queso, that skillet queso. Got some old school chicken fingers and sat down and actually watched some of that game. So, do we have Chili's as a sponsor now? We don't have chilies as a sponsor, but Sounds it's, like it's it. a, I mean, it kind of does. It's like no free ads, but I do love me some chilies. I, don't, I never, I, get, I feel like once every two years. All right. Well, Oklahoma State is currently on the outside looking in because they are number five in this week's playoff rankings. But a win in this game will likely propel them into the top four of the final rankings. So there's clearly a lot on the line for them this week. Now, Baylor's quarterback, Gary Bohannon, which is a great last name. Pulled up lame against Kansas State a few weeks ago and did not play last week against Texas Tech. His status is still up in the air, so we have to take that into consideration. I was going to pick Baylor to win this game, but with him possibly not playing, that totally changes my pick. But he might play. Right. But he might not play. But he not. I mean, if he was playing, I would pick Baylor to win. But is Gary Bohannon that big of a deal? I know he's a starter, yeah, but like, is he that good? In that environment, maybe? Pressure? Tough spot. Because I, I even think there's a situation where Baylor gets into the top four if enough other <laughs> whoa, things whoa, happen. Whoa, 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 whoa. What are they that. ranked? Baylor, I think they were like eight. I'm pretty sure. Let me pull this up. Cultural playoff. This is great radio here. I mean, I guess Notre Dame would get in before. Yeah, that's so what I'm saying. I mean, but, but see, but, I don't think Notre Dame should loss, get in. A one-loss non-conference champion. Notre, I guess they're independent conference champions. There is no independent conference, but they're not a conference but champion. But I think the, but I think the committee won't put them in because Brian Kelly left. Well, they're not going to hold that against the players. But the in the past. The committee has put it, but we put Alabama in when they don't play in the SEC championship. Yeah, but that's but that wasn't had nothing to do with their coach not being but, there. So there's just not precedence for it. Well, the, that doesn't mean it won't happen. Fair, fair. I just I have a hard time mm-hmm. believing that's why they would leave somebody out. Maybe you're right, but yes, Baylor is sitting. Actually, Baylor is sitting at number nine. Look, look. Even if they win the like, typically the committee likes teams that win conference championships. They put a premium on that. But when you're three spots behind Notre Dame, are they really going to catapult all the way three spots ahead of Notre Dame? I'm not. I don't see it happening. Probably not, but it's not impossible. It's not impossible. You can never predict what the committee's going to do because they just do whatever they want to do and they just find ways to justify it. Right. That's what they do. I just, don't you think Ohio State won't? Well, if Bama loses to us, they're out. Right, they're out. Michigan loses to Iowa. But see, Michigan would be a two-loss team. They lost... Well, so would so would Baylor, and Baylor has conference championship, but they have no win. Like, I guess if they would. I mean, Oklahoma State win would be a good win. I'm just saying, you could argue it. Okay, I, it's not impossible. I would think highly there unlikely. There are so many different scenarios. Sure, if there enough are things a lot of happen, scenarios. it could be a total cluster. It of could what be. happens. I think it's highly so, unlikely, but it's possible. I'll give you that. I'm just gonna go with Oklahoma State to win, but Baylor cover. Baylor cover the five and a half. All right. Well. Speaking of Chili's and watching this matchup, I did watch it. I watched a good bit of it. And Oklahoma State pretty much dominated that first matchup. They held Baylor to 280 total yards. Baylor really couldn't do anything offensively. Yes, Charlie, you mentioned it. Gary Bohannon, the starting quarterback for Baylor, who's been their quarterback all year, except for the last week and a half, is questionable. Will he play? Will he not play? We don't know. But here's what I'm going to say, Charlie. I don't think that Gary Bohannon not playing 
is necessarily the worst thing. And I know that sounds crazy. They had a tough game against Kansas State a couple weeks ago on the road. They had to win that game to keep their Big 12 championship game hopes alive. Gary Bohannon went out in the first half. He pulled up with a hamstring. I don't think Gary Bohannon is going to play this game. It's a hamstring. Hamstrings don't heal in one or two weeks. It just doesn't happen. If he does play, he's going to be a shell of himself. He's a runner by trade. That's what he does best. I don't think he plays. But Blake Shapin, their backup quarterback, redshirt freshman, came in in that game on the road in a tough spot, an important game for them. And I thought he played really, really well. He is clearly a better passer than Gary Bohannon is. He's not quite the runner, but he can still run. But the problem is, even though I think, like, I don't think just because Gary Bohannon's going to play that you could dismiss him out of hand and say they can't win. I think Shapin has played well since he's been in. It's just a tough matchup for Baylor. Baylor's offense is driven completely by their run game. They're top eight nationally. And here's the thing. It's a bad matchup. Oklahoma State is really, really good at stopping the run. They're top 10 nationally. Baylor only ran for 107 yards and 3.7 yards per rush the first time around. And they're not going to have Gary Bohannon to boost those numbers as a running quarterback. I know this is going against the principal play that you laid out earlier, Charlie, with the Oregon game, Oregon and Utah. And I hate to go against principal, but... I've watched both these teams play a fair amount of times. I think Oklahoma State has just a few more weapons on offense. They have the better defense. I do like. I would not be shocked, Charlie, if Baylor did pull this upset. I wouldn't be stunned by it. But again, I think Oklahoma State has a few more weapons on on offense. They have a better defense. It's a tough matchup. Baylor wants to run the football. Oklahoma State is really good against the run. I don't know how Baylor's gonna be able to move the football consistently if they can't run the football. So give me Oklahoma State to win. And cover. I am slightly concerned about like the the letdown factor after beating Oklahoma and Bedlam, which is like something Oklahoma State never does. But like it's the Big Twelve title game, playoff hopes are on, on the line here. You got to think they're going to show up to play. I like Oklahoma State to win and cover. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right. Well, Cincinnati has been holding firm at number four for the past few weeks, and they're looking to hold on and become the first group of five team to crash the playoff party. But Dana Holgerson and the Houston Cougars are standing in their way. Houston hasn't gotten the love that Cincy has, uh, but they finished the regular season 11-1 and with their only loss coming in week one against Texas Tech. However, the Bearcats are still favored uh, by 10.5 in this one. Um... Tricky game, Charlie. 
I'm going with Sneaky. Houston to cover. I think they could win. And I think that they really obviously want to knock off You're just Cincinnati. a Cincinnati hater. I am. I don't think that they should be number four. I don't think that they... No, you're a group of five team. Go, the Notre Dame win play, is not impressive enough? No. Go play it's your one own team. conference It's one, it's one power five team. Right. And the, not even technically a power five team, but... The listeners kinda. know how I feel about Yeah, Cincinnati. we know, we know, we know. I just, yeah, I'm going with Houston to cover at least. Hope they win. I don't disagree with you. I don't think, you, I don't think Cincinnati is one of the four best teams in the country. I'll put if that out there. If they played a power five schedule... They would be destroyed. If they played in the SEC West, do they finish the season undefeated? No. No, they do not. They finish the one loss. At least. I mean, they're going to lose to... I think they would lose to Alabama. I think they'd probably lose to Ole Miss. A&M. Maybe lose to a and I don't know. I don't know. Mississippi State might even beat them. So, I don't know. Cincinnati's a good, solid team. I don't think they're one of the top four teams in the country. I agree with you there, Charlie. And Houston guys, I'm telling you, I, I know that most of you have probably not seen one snap of a Houston game. I've only seen two of their games. I watched them against SMU, and I watched them. Who did I, I watched some of that Texas Tech game in Week One? Houston is a really good Group of Five team, guys. I'm telling you, they're really good. In fact, they've been every bit as good as Cincinnati has been in conference play in the American Conference. Listen to some of these numbers, all right? Charlie, Cincinnati, top four team. People think a lot of people out there think that they should be in the playoff. They are in their total yards differential. They are plus one thousand five hundred forty-seven yards. Houston guys, plus 1,581. I know they didn't play Notre Dame, but they played a decent Texas Tech team. Uh, If you look at their total point differential, Cincinnati's plus 23.8 on the year. Houston's plus 19 per game. So basically, Cincinnati's beating teams on average by 23.8 points. Houston's beating teams on average by 19 points. Not a huge gap there. Cincinnati defensively is number three in yards per play allowed. They're driven by that defense. Houston, not that far off. Number nine, also in the top 10 in yards per play allowed. The problem is, Charlie, I really, I I do, like you said, I do want to pick Houston to win outright. I really want to pick them in this game. The holdup for me is that this American Conference game, do you know this, Charlie? It's not played at a neutral site. Where is it played? It's played at the home field of the higher seed. Hmm. So this game is going to be played in Cincinnati on their home field. That's the deciding factor for me here. I I just can't. I, I can't pick Houston when this game's played at home for Cincinnati. It's a home game for Cincinnati. However, my point does hold what I said earlier. There is very little gap statistically between Houston and Cincinnati. I think the Bearcats probably win. Uh, they're number one in turnovers gain. They're probably going to force a turnover or two that changes this game and gives them the, gives them the lead, and they kind of run away with it. Or I shouldn't say run away with it, but they take the lead and they salt that away. But if you're giving me 10 and a hook, I am taking that all day when these teams statistically are as similar as they are. So, Charlie, give me Houston plus 10 and a half. And Charlie, I'm doing it again. Lock it up. All right. Second lock of the week. Noted. Well, let's take it to the primetime games next. The ACC championship game might be lacking star power or power programs, but the matchup between Pitt and Wake Forest should be much more fun and competitive than the series of Clemson coronations that we've seen the past six seasons. Isn't it kind of refreshing that Clemson yes, is like I'm just not even in the so conversation right now? I mean, it would be good for us because it helps our. I'm our mad that they're schedule, even ranked in the top twenty-five. You don't like Clemson either, huh? No. I hate week was last week, Charlie. I don't like Dabo. I know. Yeah, I'm not a Dabo guy. Yeah. This game features two high-powered offenses, but two suspect defenses. So take my word for it. Take the over. What is the over? It's 71 right now. Could go up, but it's seven, mm-hmm. I think it's actually 71 and a half last time I looked. Right. As for the actual line itself, Pitt is a slight three-point favorite over the Demon Deacons. Um, I'm picking Pitt to cover. Pitt to cover three. You're right, Charlie. I think this is going to be a fun one. I'm actually... Is it crazy that I'm more excited to watch this game than the Michigan-Iowa game? 
Maybe. I mean, Michigan is, I know, a, a top four team. I get that, star power. But this is going to be a more entertaining game. Right. You don't watch that slugfest between those two defensive-driven teams? No, I want to see these points being scored, right? And that's going to that's going to happen. Charlie, yeah, the over, I'm telling you, I agree. Take the over here. It's going to be a fun game. Uh, Wake and Pitt are number three and four, respectively, in the country in scoring offense. They're literally one-tenth of a, of a point apart from each other. They're right there. I have loved watching Wake Forest all season. There's two teams that are like appointment viewing for me this season that are kind of off the national radar, Wake Forest and Virginia, because they just run these awesome offenses that are very different, very, very unique that you just don't see anyone else run, like doing things the way they do them. And I like watching unique offenses. It's one of the things that makes college ball great. It's not cookie cutter like the NFL where every team runs basically the same exact offense, the same plays. It's just boring. These are fun offenses. And if you look at this Wake Forest offense, they have two awesome receivers. A.T. Perry, big physical guy. Ja'Kiri Roberson, a little shorter but faster. Uh, veteran quarterback and Sam Hartman, who has just been a stud for them. Uh, and then you got a couple of good running backs there. Now, Pitt also, here it's a matchup. I think about this. So Wake Forest, they throw the ball extraordinarily well. Two really good receivers. Pitt is 112th nationally in pass defense. Just keep that in your back pocket. But here's the thing with Wake Forest. That defense is so bad. They're so, so bad. They're not quite Virginia-level bad, but they're not far apart. They're 100th nationally in yards per play allowed, 91st nationally in scoring defense. And, I I mean, like, I guess you got to consider this. Pitt runs the ball just enough to keep you honest. They aren't really committed to to doing that. And Wake is 50th nationally in pass defense. So if there's anything they're kind of halfway decent at defensively, it's defending the pass, and that's what Pitt does. That's how Pitt beats you. They put up a lot of points because Kenny Pickett's a baller, and he just puts up massive passing yards numbers every single week. And the, on the flip side, the Pitt defense is interesting. They're fifth nationally in rush defense. They're really good against the run, but they're only 112th nationally in pass defense. I think that they should be able to make Wake Forest one-dimensional, but the question becomes, can they slow down that one dimension? Because they are so bad against the pass. I do... Again, love the over in this game, Charlie. I really do. But I also think it's a toss-up type game when you're talking about the spread. So in a game like that, that I think could go either way, two relatively evenly matched teams that are built in very similar very similar fashions, give me the guy who I think is just the better player. Give As much as I love Sam Hartman, give me Kenny Pickett to make one or two more plays to win this game. I love his ability to run and make things happen. He's just he's kind of like Matt Corral-like in that he's a tough, gritty player. He's willing to like dive head first. He's not going to slide. If he needs that extra yard, he'll do that. And I think Kenny Pickett is a difference in this game. So give me Pitt. I agree. Pitt minus three. I'm not going to lock it up, but give me the Panthers. All right. Well, Michigan exercised its extensive Ohio State demons last week with the win over the Buckeyes at the Big House and jumped all the way to number two in the playoff rankings because of it. You could see the relief in the sense of accomplishment in uh, like Jim did you, did you see his post game interview? Yeah, I mean, it looked like they. I don't want to say they just won the Super Bowl, kinda, but he looked like it was just the greatest win in the history of his life. Well, he achieved a very. I think about how, how much he'd been killed yeah, in the media over goal. that. Yeah, huge goal. Huge goal. Um, but there's still work to be done in order for the Wolverines to lock up a bid in the college football playoff. Earlier in the season, Iowa reached all the way to number two in the rankings before dropping a couple of games. And that was a joke. As the season progressed, yeah. But this is still a capable Iowa team with a very good and very opportunistic defense. Uh, the Wolverines are a 10.5-point favorite over the Hawks. 
Hawkeyes in Indianapolis. Steve. It's a great mascot. Hawkeye, great yeah, mascot. Yeah, it is. Great I mascot. like their uniforms. Um, uh, people say that. They're fine. They're fine. They're okay. All right. Well, I'm going with Iowa to cover. Iowa to cover the 10 and a half. All right. Well, I think there's going to be a hangover effect. Not because of the coaching, just because they are young and it was like... It was an emotional oh, game. really, yeah. They it put a lot a into deal. it. And right. the players are very open about that after the game. It's like, yeah. hey, this is a huge deal for us. I, I, I feel that, Charlie, and this is two defensive-driven teams, so maybe one of those Big Ten defensive slugfests, maybe that's the, the likely outcome here. I mean, they are two teams that are built very much the same way. They are. Good defense, run the football, that's Big Ten football, that's Michigan, that's Iowa. Problem is, for Iowa, one team is just far more talented and better than the other team. Iowa guys, like, it's a shame. I mean, the Big Ten Western was not good this year. They're minus 200 yards on the year, guys, and their total yards differential. That's why I told you earlier in the year when they were ranked number two that they were smoking mirrors. At that point, they were like plus 200 yards. They were never the second best team in the country. They were never close to that. Yeah, they won a couple games. They forced a couple turnovers that changed some games. They won some games they probably shouldn't have, but they were never that good. They're minus 200 yards on the year right now. In fact, they're only plus 8.4 points per game against their opponents. They're only outscoring opponents by 8.4 points per game. Michigan, on the flip side, they're plus 1582 in their total yards differential and plus 20.1 points per game over their opponents. It's night and day, guys. Michigan is hands down a thousand percent the better football team. Now, the defenses, though, are actually pretty comparable statistically, but when you watch them play, I mean, Michigan just simply has better players. I mean, the Iowa doesn't have an Aiden Hutchinson type guy. They don't have a guy like that. Now, could the Iowa defense force some turnovers? They're still top three nationally in turnovers gained and play well enough on defense to hang for most of the game? Sure, I guess that could happen. But the fact is, Michigan is just head and shoulders better in every single regard, in every single statistical category there. I don't love the hook. That does give me some pause. If it was 10, I would be all over that. I might even lock it up if it was 10. 10 and a half, mm, a little bit of pause there. But I, I, at the end of the day, I just think Michigan is that much better. I think they're going to roll in this game. Two plus touchdowns. Give me Michigan uh, to... Um, to win pretty comfortably here in the Big Ten title game. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right. Well, finally, the big one, the one you've all been eagerly anticipating for more than a month now. Uh, yeah, and you've been so eager about I this. I said Charlie. you. Yeah, not not you. you. Yeah, definitely me. Not Georgia so much you. Georgia versus Alabama for SEC supremacy. The This season has all the makings to be the most special in Georgia history, but we cannot let the dogs falter in this one. The line opened in most places at four, but after Alabama's struggles on the Plains last week, which they looked like they won the Super Bowl after that game. Yeah, Nick Saban, okay. Yeah, the stand they was, played, he, like it was almost like Jim Harbaugh, like he was yeah. like just like wide eyed and just so excited they yeah. won this game, and it's like normal Nick Saban would not be pumped at how you just played, right? But that Nick Saban was weird. And the line jumped to six and a half, or at least that's right now. 
the dogs have been the better team all season long, but it's Bama, and that's a hurdle we still have to overcome, like Michigan and Ohio State last week. For sure. Week. I agree with that. Uh, it makes me a little uneasy because Bama has to win this game in order to stay in the playoffs. Or maybe not. I don't know. It is Alabama. I mean, Alabama in general just makes me uneasy and based on the past history. I'm also concerned with the refs. That's one of my questions for you. How like do you buy into that? But I'm still picking Georgia to cover. How much do you buy into the referees playing? Oh, a factor? I do. I mean, you were there for the national title game. Yep. You you spent the money. You were there. You lived yep. through that just like I did, and uh, that was intense. That uh that sucked, and I I am still firmly convinced that we had a national championship stolen from us by very poor officiating. I don't want to go as far as say it's like, you know, a conspiracy. I mean, I just think officials are bad at their jobs. Some officials, I know there are officials that do a really good job. They work hard. It's a tough job. But man, Bama just gets the benefit of the calls, man. Every single week. And honestly, that really is my biggest concern heading into this football game. The fact is, Bama's going to have a 12th man on their side. They are. And again, I'm not saying it's a conspiracy. I'm not saying the SEC is out to get us and that they're condoning this and the fix is in. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, for whatever reason, the reality is Alabama gets the benefit of the doubt when it comes to officiating. Maybe it's, it's a subconscious thing with the officials. I don't know. I can't explain it. But it's year in, year out, game in, game out. It happens. And I was there when we had a national championship that was straight up stolen from us. So yeah, that is my biggest concern in this game. And it's really sad that I had to say that, but that's reality. Now, as for what's going to take place on the field, let me say this. Alabama can absolutely beat us on Saturday. I want to put that out there. I know it's only a vocal minority. It's not everybody. It's just a few people, but you just hear them because they, they like to chirp. They talk real loud. But if you are one of the people that are going around and you're kind of just pumping your chest this week, considering a win over Bama to be a foregone conclusion... I very respectfully think you are crazy. There's no foregone conclusion here. Last week's effort against Auburn notwithstanding, the Crimson Tide are absolutely talented enough to beat us when you have guys like Will Anderson, Jamison Williams, and of course Bryce Young, especially if we don't bring our A game and we don't execute the way that we have executed all year long. And as I said earlier this week, I do think, I stand by this, I do think this is the toughest matchup that we will have all season from a matchup standpoint, at least when it comes to Alabama passing attack. And I include all games that we have played and all the games that we will play moving forward. But all that being said, I want to put that out there first, but all that being said, we are the better team. Make no mistake about that. We have been all season. I know what happened in 2017. I know what happened in 2018. I know what happened in 2020. I was there for all of those games. I even know what happened in 2015 and 2012. I was there for those games too, all right? I'm like a lot of you. I have been scarred by this. I don't want to say Bama curse, but the Bama whatever it is, man. The Bama hurdle. We'll, we'll go with that. That's what Charlie called it, the Bama hurdle. And I, I get it, guys. It's hard to forget all those games. There's a lot of pain and a lot of frustration built up into all those games. I, I've seen them all, guys. I understand all that. It sucks. But what happened in the past, I'm a firm believer of this. It has no bearing on this year and this team. We aren't perfect at every position. You guys know I don't feel super great about our offensive line at times. I think the secondary is is better than people want to give it credit for, but it's still, uh, there's some questions there. I think that's fair to say. But saying that, we have far fewer holes 
than this Alabama roster does. And also, situationally, I love the matchups. I think there's a lot of matchups that favor us in this game. Let's start with this. We are second in the SEC in sacks. Alabama has given up the third most sacks in the conference. We saw how much of a disaster the right side of their offensive line was last week. Now, a lot of that was crowd noise. You could go back and watch the replay and you see like the jumps that the Auburn edge rushers were getting off the snap was significant because the Alabama tackles there, they were trying to watch the ball. They weren't completely watching the ball and they couldn't hear the snap count. So they were just getting beat off the line. But that was far from the only game in which they have struggled. All right. If it was only that game, that's one thing, but that's not the only game they struggled in. And we have multiple pass rushers that we can bring from different angles, different positions that make it really difficult on offensive line that's been struggling right now. And, and here's the other thing too. If Auburn was able to do that to them, if Auburn was doing that to them, who's got an average-ish defensive front, you really have to like our chances to pressure Bryce Young, which I think is a really important part of this game. You saw how important that was and how it really hampered their offense last week. And on top of that, there's still a very good chance. It's up in the air. There's still a very good chance that Brian Robinson at running back does not play in this game. And that hurts them on a number of fronts. If he doesn't play, they have one scholarship running back, Trey Sanders, who has 50 carries on the season which means they are going to be much less likely. It's not impossible. Trey Sanders is a former very highly rated recruit. Much less likely, though, to be able to run the football on our already dominant rush defense. And that also, like if, if Robinson doesn't play and it's Sanders, that causes major issues in pass protection because Sanders just doesn't have the reps or the experience. And that's one of the things that's toughest for young running backs to do is to protect the passer. So they already have issues on the offensive line. And potentially not having Brian Robinson exacerbates those protection issues. And I think that's one of the keys to the game is getting pressure on Bryce Young. I mean, do we really expect Trey Sanders to be able to handle our various pressures and all the different guys we're bringing from different angles? I think that's a major advantage for us in this game if Brian Robinson can't go. And I don't think Brian Robinson's going to go. He might try, but I don't think he's, I, I don't think he's going to be able to be very effective at all. It's a hamstring injury. Hamstrings don't heal in one week. And I so with that in mind, I think we can make this album offense one-dimensional. And a one-dimensional team is not going to be able to score enough points on this Georgia defense to win this game. And on the other side of the ball, look, I know a lot of Georgia fans out there don't want to believe this, but our offense has been elite this season. I know fans look at it and say, well, yeah, you know, we're only 27th national total offense. We only throw for 240 yards a game. In Alabama, you know, they throw for 350 a game. That's being lazy, guys. Look a little deeper. Scoring offense, Bama's five, we're six. If Bama's elite, so are we. Yards per play, Bama's 13. We're number three nationally in yards per play. We don't run as many plays. We don't have an up-tempo offense, but we are more productive on the plays that we do run. Our EPA pass offense, second nationally. Bama only 18th. Success rate, which is basically offensive efficiency, we're ninth, Bama's 27th. Look at those numbers, guys. They don't lie. Our offense is elite. Now, look, saying that, though, I don't expect us to go out and just like live the scoreboard to the tune of like 40-plus points like we have been scoring on everyone else because the Alabama defense is really, really good. But this offense is absolutely fully equipped to score enough points to win this game. And if somehow it does become a shootout, which I just don't think it's going to be, I think we can hang. Now, Stetson Bennett is not Bryce Young. No one's making him out to be. He's not Bryce Young. We get that. But here's the thing. I do think Stetson has far more weapons to work with. He might not have a guy that's the caliber of Jamison Williams, although I would say Brock Bowers might rival that. We have more weapons. They basically have a two-headed monster at receiver. And without Brian, without Brian Robinson, potentially, that's basically who they're rolling with. And their linebackers and safeties have been very suspect in pass coverage all season. And that's a big question for me. Who's going to cover Brock Bowers? 
who on that defense is going to consistently cover Brock Bowers man-to-man? They're not going to be able to do it. They're going to have to double Bowers, and we have other guys that can make them pay when they do that. Who covers James Cook and Kenny McIntosh out of the backfield? Who does that? I don't see those guys out there. That's a matchup advantage for us. And they also might be down a starting quarterback, a starting cornerback, and a true freshman in Kool-Aid McKinstry getting the start there. It's another matchup that I like in this game. So when it comes down to it, the bottom line is the past is the past. Bury it, guys. Put the past in the past. Keep it there. This season is what we're concerned about. In this season, we are the elite team, and Alabama is the borderline elite team. We've all been, all season long, our good friend Josh Stevens coined this phrase. I love it. been using it all season. We have been collectively trying to get over old Georgia syndrome all season long. We've been in recovery. We've had a few slight relapses along the way, but this time, it's time to rise up and kick the habit once and for all. So, Charlie. I hope you're going to pick UGA. Charlie. You're going to lock it up? Give me the dogs. Minus six and a half. Lock it the hell up. Are you going to bet on it? I'm be- No, I can't ever bet on George. Are you kidding me? I That's know. bad vibes, I Charlie. You can't I do that. That's no, what you were say, no, bad. You, you almost you had me. I'm pumped, yes. Charlie. I'm pumped, but I'm not. I'm not crazy. Yeah. I'm not going to be the one that ruins this season for us. I can tell you're pumped. You're making me more. Excited well, someone's got to be excited game. on this podcast, Charlie. I know. I'm sorry. I was. I got distracted. Did you pick Pitt or Wake Forest? You got distracted. What in the world have you been doing I started in here? Thinking about the game. What? Oh, you started getting a little excited, huh? I did. You're the welcome. Little butterflies in the stomach here. Did you pick pick pit or wake? I think I you picked, picked pit. Pit, wake. I picked pick over wake. Pit. Did you lock it up? I did not lock okay. up pit. What about Michigan Iowa? Give me Michigan. I spaced out during that one. Give me too. Michigan. I, what are you doing? Did you lock it up? I didn't lock that one up. Yeah, ten and a half. I got three one. locks. The three. I got half these games. I'm locking up this week. Okay. Going big here late in the season. Do we want to recap? Let's recap. All right, we both have Oregon to upset. You locked that up. I have Baylor. You have OK State. We both have Houston. You locked it up. Yep. Oh, I don't have a lock. Snap. Well, you got to figure uh, Did you just say snap? I did. I picked... 2001 call, Charlie. They want their references what? back. That's OK with okay. me. OK. We both picked Pitt. I have Iowa. You have Michigan. And we both have Georgia. And you locked it up. I'm going to lock up Georgia. Oh, you're going to oh, bandwagon me. Yeah, I do need a lock. I briefly forgot if I needed a lock or an upset special. Well, This is not a good day. You weren't prepared with either one. Don't try to tell me you're prepared with an upset special. You just happen to realize you're going to pick Oregon. Oh, yeah, that's an upset special. Let's go with it. It's fine. We'll take it. Well, I didn't know it was a special. So I've got, I knew it was an I've got upset. locks. i got Oregon locked up. i got... So we have two differences. Okay. Two differences. Two what differences. are they? Uh, ba- I have Baylor. You have OK State. Oh, okay State. And then I have Iowa and you have Michigan. All right. All right, go dogs. Go dogs. Let's do it. All right, guys. Everyone be careful. Be careful. Have fun if you're going to the game. God bless you. Let's do it. If not, do your thing at home. It's a big one, guys. Not the biggest one, but it's the biggest one to this point. So thank you for listening, guys. As you can tell, I'm very excited about this game. I'm just excited about everything, man. Let's let's get this done. Let's get over this Bama hurdle. Thank you for listening. For Charlie, I'm Tyler. And, of course, as always, go dogs. Go dogs.